The verse tonight comes from Romans 8, verses 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Well, um, we have a uh, spirit-filled passage tonight, but um, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be speaking in tongues or falling to the floor or raising to some spiritual higher, spiritually higher plane than, than the rest of you guys. We're all equals here. Uh, but what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital for life, all of life, physical, spiritual, beyond the grave, everything. And the passage from Romans 8 tonight uh, makes it clear that living without the Holy Spirit leads to eternal death, but living with the Spirit, by the Spirit, leads to eternal life. So let's pray and and have a look. Father, you are such a good and loving and gracious God. We just ask that by your spirit now you would speak to us through your word, convict us of sin, change us to be more like Jesus, and help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> if someone walked up to you and asked, what does it mean to be a Christian? How would you answer them? You know, some people might say, well, it means to give your life to Jesus, or it means to love God, or it means to, to, to trust Jesus. And these things are true. They're true. But the essence is that the God, the living God, lives in you. That the Holy Spirit of God himself lives inside of you. And without him, the work of Christ can't be applied to our lives, which means we're doomed. See, the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital for all our Christian life. He guides and directs his people. He strengthens us. He helps us to to persevere all the way to the end. And even the life of Jesus himself, uh, from the womb to the tomb and, and all the way back to the heavens, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we can see it at work, um, the Spirit at work in Jesus' life uh, from his conception in Matthew 1. From verse 18 it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And it goes on, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We can see the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus at his baptism in Matthew 3, verse 16. It says, When Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water. 
And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. It was the Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, tested by the devil, Luke 4. And Jesus, says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And it was the Spirit that led Jesus back out of the wilderness. Again in Luke 4, from verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The Spirit empowered Jesus, uh, his whole ministry in preaching. Luke 4 again from verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Spirit empowered Jesus in miracles, in, in all his casting out of demons and healing. Everything he did was in the power of the Spirit. This includes staying completely faithful to God the Father as he was abandoned and betrayed and rejected and falsely accused and spat on and beat up and tortured before he was on the cross and while he was on the cross and while he bore the full wrath of God on that day. His life was all of the Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he lived the life we couldn't. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he died the death we deserve to die. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he became our substitute on the cross. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. See, the cross and crucifixion was not the end for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, the giver of life, raised him up from the dead. Jesus Christ lives today. And if you trust him, if you believe that he's Lord, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. The very same Spirit who raised Christ up from the dead will live inside of you. What an amazing, profound truth. And that leads to new life. It leads to new life. Paul says it this way in Romans 8.11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's the point I'm making. If Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, lived by the spirit, how much more do we need to? How much more do we need to? My life before Christ's... was characterised by anger and and hatred and and drunkenness and adultery. Couldn't care less about anyone else, except for myself. I was completely godless, yet I thought that I was fine because the rest of the world was living that way. But that type of life is what Paul is talking about in verses 12 to 13. Listen to it. It says... So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I was living according to the flesh. I was living like the rest of the world. I was on death row, but I didn't even know it. But it's not just the obvious outward sins. It's not just the inward secret sins of the heart. It's everything that's fallen in this world. It's everything that's in rebellion to God. That's the flesh. This is why living to the flesh leads to death. And it's not just physical death here. Paul is talking about death in the fullest, most permanent theological sense of the word. Punishment in hell forever. So when I look around, I'm not sure people understand the seriousness of sin. It's a violation of a relationship. And when that relationship is to God, the outcome is death. The outcome is judgment. The outcome is condemnation for anyone who rebels against him. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. See, without the Holy Spirit, a person remains spiritually blind and deaf and dead. They can't see that the creation points to God. They hear the gospel, but they reject it. And their spirit is lifeless and dead to the reality of sin in their life. This is why Jesus says in John 3, we must be born again spiritually. This is so our our spiritual eyes and ears can be opened so we can see sin for what it is. Because it's so serious, it's a must, it's a necessity. John Owen from the 17th century wrote this. When we realise a constant enemy of the soul abides within us, what diligence and watchfulness we should have. How woeful is the sloth and negligence then of so many who live blind and asleep to this reality of sin. There is an exceeding efficacy and power in the indwelling of sin of believers, for it constantly inclines itself towards evil. We need to be awake then, if our hearts would know the ways of God. Our enemy is not only upon us, as it was with Samson, but it is also in us. See, when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit, we become aware of our sin, and by the Spirit, we can live out our new life for God. But only then can we put to death the deeds of the body and live, have eternal life. So what are the deeds of the body? What are these deeds Paul's talking about that must be killed? Well, Paul, I think, gives us some clear examples in Colossians 3 from verse 5. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And he goes on, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk, lying. Are you familiar with any of these things? I know I am. 
Are we blind and asleep to the reality, to the reality of sin in our lives? So what impure thoughts have you been meditating on? What evil desires are you holding on to in your heart and planning to live out? How much anger and gossip flies from our lips? How much hypocrisy and lies drip from our tongues? Like Owen says, sin is a constant enemy of the soul and it abides within us. It's powerful and always inclined to evil. But, but this is exactly why Christ left the heavens, to break the power of sin in our lives so that by the Spirit we can put to death the deeds of the body and have life, eternal life, life to the full, free from slavery and free to serve Christ. Jesus came so that our eyes would be open to all the foolishness of this world and to, and to, uh, to all its empty promises of pleasure and all its empty promises of security and safety. He came to change the deepest desires of our heart so that we can stop chasing after the things of this world that, that just lead to death. He came so that we can say no to sin and yes to God. And by the Spirit we can. By the Holy Spirit we can. Owen again says this, a famous quote from him. Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. See, Owen gets it. He knows that we're free from the power of sin, but he also knows that if we do nothing about it, sin will have its way with us again. So we must act, we must put sin to death. But it must not be alone. It must be by the Spirit that we put these things to death. Because it's only by the Spirit that we can learn how to fight sin. It's only by the Spirit we can recognise our sin and be convicted of it. It's only by the Spirit that we have any desire to change at all. It's only by the Spirit that we can do what pleases God. And it's only by the Spirit that we know that only Jesus Christ made it all possible. So how is the Spirit leading and guiding you lately? What's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Will you live according to the flesh? Or will you put to death sin by the power of the Holy Spirit? See, if the Holy Spirit's laying something on your heart, then follow his leading. You must follow his leading. If he's convicting you of a sin, then don't delay to, to take it to the cross and make peace with God and make peace with those who, you've, who we've sinned against. We must not delay improving ourselves to be children of God. See, to live by the Spirit also means to live as children of God. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. See, it's only by the Spirit that we know that the God of the universe is our Father. 
It's only because of the spirit that lives in us that we can call God Father, that we can come to him in prayer, that we can bring everything to him, that we can cry out in our deepest needs, in our highest times and in our lowest times. Apart from the spirit, we cannot. In verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Same words Christ used, Abba. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In Paul's time, adoption meant that um, that a child that who was adopted received the full rights of the family and, and all the privileges of the natural children. They were counted as absolute equals. They became fully fledged part of the family and received all the blessings and, and any inheritance that was um, due them. Uh, and this truth, it's the same for me and you. It's the same for me and you. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then you're like this adopted child. But the difference is, your father just doesn't just own a house and a land and some cattle. Right? Our father owns the universe and everything in it. He owns the physical places and, and the spiritual places. He owns heaven and hell and everything in between. And he owns all the places that are only reserved for his children, people like us. And one day, all that belongs to God will be ours because we're children of God and heirs with Christ. Mind-blowing. So it makes me think, why do I, why do, why do we spend so much of our time chasing the things of this world? You know, why do we try and gain every bit of power and leverage that we can now when we're going to have it all in the next life anyway? Why do we fall back into living according to the flesh instead of putting our sin to death by the Spirit? To live by the Spirit means to live as children of God. So let's prove ourselves to be children. Let's honour our Father by rejecting sin, by killing off the sin in our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. As a father, I can tell you that um, there's nothing more pleasing to me than when my children obey happily. It's because I love them and it's for their good. It's for their good. And so it is with God. Everything that God tells us is for our good. He wants us to live with him forever. He wants us to live our life now with full assurance that he is good and that he has got us and that he is going nowhere. That he'll never let you go. To live by the Spirit means to live as children of God. But it also means that there'll be various kinds of suffering in this life. In verse 17, it's in fact necessary to suffer with Christ if we wish to live a life of glory in heaven. So how often is it when it comes to living for God 
that we have to make the hard decisions. We have to put ourselves last and put others first. We have to confront people and stand up for the truth. And the world hates the truth. And the world hates God and the world hates his children. And so we suffer in various ways when we live for God. But I I think the suffering here is talking about all of life. It's all of our daily anxieties and tensions and fears and troubles because we live in a fallen world with fallen, sinful people. The whole creation is broken. And we suffer because we choose not to live according to the flesh like everyone else in this world. So we get rejected and ridiculed sometimes. And we suffer because by the Spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the body. And that means we have to give up so many things that our sinful hearts desire, that our natural man person doesn't want to let go of. But it's a good thing because that leads to eternal life. So the future glory in verse 17 is only for those who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. It's only for those who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It's only for those who are, by the Spirit, putting the the deeds of the flesh, uh, deeds of the body, to death. It's for the children of God. It's for you and me. But be encouraged in your suffering, because God does not waste a thing. He's using it to develop us. He's using it to make us more like Christ. He's preparing you, he's preparing me for our our life in heaven. Life in heaven with him. And so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray. Father, what what an immense word, what what an honour and privilege it is to be able to, to have insight to these things, that you've illumined your word by the Spirit, that we can know that you're Father, that you're not just judge, but you are our Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that... Through your work on the cross, you made this possible. And we thank you for the sending of the Spirit who gives us life eternal. In the name of Christ, amen.